Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive, or if you think like one, and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Metcalf, founder of X-Quadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve extraordinary results. And no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Today, I speak with Helen Barnikoff. Helen is the CEO of Microsoft in Sweden. And before that, she was the chief executive of Tilia, the uh, incumbent telecoms operator in Sweden. And before that, she held very senior roles within EMC, Sony Ericsson, and other companies. In our discussion today, we look at a variety of things. How did she rise up to such high uh, ranks within the tech sector? Starting off as she did as a marketing manager with no technology sector experience uh, many years ago. How she learned to build high-performing teams and create diversity in what's been a very male-dominated culture. We cover so many areas, really what's driving her and uh, how she's able to differentiate herself and create value and maintain that value even as her diary gets full and full with more and more corporate and customer requirements. So enjoy this conversation from a very senior and experienced chief executive, Helen Barnikov of Microsoft. Hello, Helen. Thank you for joining me. Hello, Richard. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, I was just thinking it's been a long time. You know, you know we, we engaged, uh, I think, uh, probably 10 years ago now when I was at Cisco and, and, and you were at TDS Honora. Uh, and obviously a lot of things have changed since then. So I'm loving, loving the opportunity to be able to catch up and um, I really see what's been happening, right? You're now the CEO of Microsoft in Sweden. Um, obviously, before that, you, you had other senior executive roles as well in, in, in tech and telecoms. And so I think today what I'd love to do is kind of get into uh, how you've got to where you've got to and, and, and how you create the impact that you create. You know, it's, it's fantastic to see a, you know, if I may say so, a woman, right, at a very high level in a tech company. Um, there's more and more of them, but it's still not enough. Mm. And, um, and so I think you've been probably a trailblazer in some of those respects as well. Um, but before we jump into that, could you perhaps give me um, or give us a quick introduction as to, you know, your story, right? How uh, I know you said I'm somebody without a tech background who's ended up right in the heart of tech. So, you know, in just a minute or so, what's been that journey for you that's ended up with you in this role at Microsoft? Yeah, that's it. Feels like it's been a long journey now. But I I studied international business, and I at the time I graduated, I uh, there was no such thing as a tech sector. There was of course engineering companies, but not really tech the way we think about it today. Mm. And I was very keen on working internationally, which I've done most of my most of my career actually. So I studied languages and marketing and management, and that was my that was my thing. And then I ended up by coincidence ending up in tech already back in '93, I think. It was and uh, it was really a coincidence. I came in as marketing manager, and um, and I found it absolutely exhilarating when I saw what software could do. And at that at 
you know, in 1994, we didn't live our lives in in teams and in in uh, over the mobile phone and smartphones, etc. So it was it was really to me, I think that realization of wow, this is going to have major impact and transform how we live and how we work and all of it. So mm-hmm. so that was the starting point. And then I've I've been I've been fortunate to have so many incredibly inspiring jobs uh, in different companies and mostly in large companies. So I've been with Ericsson and Sony Ericsson and uh, EMC and, um, and then Telia and then now with Microsoft. So amazing companies, uh, very different cultures, I would say, uh, also coming from different geographies. Um, but all of them being very innovation and tech driven. So I think that's my, that's my red, red thread somehow. Yeah. Fantastic. And so as you've navigated through those kind of blue chip brands, Mm -hmm. what's, um, what's driven your impact, right? How did you, um, you know, what's that success formula? What are the kind of couple of key things perhaps about how you've shown up that's made you move from being a marketing manager when you first Mm -hmm. arrived, not even Mm -hmm. knowing much about tech into, you know, being this, this CEO? I think it's, yeah, it's a really good question. And we should reflect on exactly that question more often, actually, I think. I think, I think the first thing, uh, and not maybe also one of the reasons why they, why they gave me a chance in the beginning, also in the R&D departments, I, I think it is my passion for, to make a difference. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very focused on making a difference and having an impact and contributing to a bigger picture. Uh, I'm not, I'm a real team player. I want I want to see us making a difference. So it's mm. not about me. Uh, and I think that's, I think that's one of, that's a really important point. The other, I think is that I'm truly, I am truly customer obsessed. And I think part of it came from being the only not engineer in so many rooms. And mm. my contribution was very often the, the customer, the user interface, and how would that translate into value for a customer? And then that transformed me into being even more customer obsessed and spending plenty of time with the customers. So that's for sure uh, my second point. And I think my third point would be that passion for, uh, for people in general, but also connecting that to how I believe you build uh, really high performing teams. And, and here I, I learned early on that with diversity and real inclusion in your culture, you mm. can achieve uh, magnificent results to what you can if you don't so so I've been always always dry in all the companies I've been I've been hmm. really taking that flag very high in terms of diversity and inclusion in and in in, re, in real not not just because it's good to show representation but more because of how I build the teams how I get the results and 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 therefore it becomes a business it becomes a business imperative yeah and tell me about that what's how have you found that having those diverse teams, how does that help performance? How, how you said it was very important into how you build teams. So how do you find that? What's the value in that that you see? Yeah, no, it's huge value. And I, and I, and they're from different levels, but I think uh, just to, to give some context to that, I, I didn't realize I was going to have to work with this because when I started working, I thought my parents' generation had already figured this out for us. So we were all we were all seen as equal potential good uh, contributors. And then when I came into the, the tech space, and 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 still, it's very it's very male dominated, right? But it was I was very often the only woman in the room. Um, so when I got my first managerial position with Ericsson, I remember sitting down thinking, okay, now I have the opportunity to actually build a leadership team that 
can show that you can come from different backgrounds and I can, you know, I, I, have, an, I have a platform where I can drive that change and, and explore how that can, how that can, um, how, how that get, can add value, not just be a good thing to do. And I think there are, there are, you know, at least three different levels. And I think one level is talent. Uh, in most of the years in the positions I've been looking for, we have a shortage of talent. So if you don't really become very good at, at actually seeing the whole market, irrespective of gender or cultural mm-hmm. background or whatever mm-hmm. it is, you are going to miss out. The second part is, of course, understanding your customers. Uh, you, when you don't reflect your customers and you only have one side of, of, of what the customer could look like, you miss the opportunity to be customer obsessed properly. Mm-hmm. And the third thing, and I didn't know this, 20 plus years ago but now we know from research diverse teams and especially when you manage to create an inclusive culture they are they perform at a much higher level and they're also the more profitable teams we didn't know that at the time but my feeling was that that was the case because I clearly felt how the teams became more innovative and you know it was easier to have a very open transparent climate because different questions were being asked etc and and now there is a ton of research actually proving exactly that point Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it? Um, I think when we start to look at complexity, you know, as as you know, one of the things that I help leaders with is really just uh, manage that complexity and that volatility and and, and mm. all the ambiguity, of, you know, of that we go through. And and actually, divergent perspectives is the way to see in three dimensions, right? I mean, or multiple dimensions. You know, you we're all going to look at it from a certain perspective. Yeah. And uh, none of us has all the all the insights and I think really realizing that when you have those uh, different lenses available to you it does add so much I think it's so it's so important what you're saying and I think this is exactly why this has become it was maybe something that people were trying to do for nice to have but now it's a business imperative because Mm. as ambiguity has increased speed has increased and also industries are disrupting each other so the so the uncertainty is everything is and everything is exponential so if you fill your room with people thinking exactly the like, you will be disrupted and yes. you will. And it was not the case like that 20 years ago, 30 years ago, but today it's right. the case. So, exactly. And the more you can actually create that culture where diverse talent want to be part of and feel they can show up to do their best. I think that's the safest way of actually, you know, proving your company to succeed in the future and to and to uh to really be on your toes for for disruption absolutely yeah it's um it's fascinating and i think the other things i wanted to go back to things that you said earlier on i think were really important and i didn't want to just skip over them because you know you talked about you know your passion to make a difference and contribution and um, as you know, the, the podcast is is called the Impact Multiplier because I think this mm. idea of impact, for me, it's so important. A because it speaks to this broader broader reach that you can have. It's about the financials, but it's also about the people. It's also about what happens in the world and what you can create. Uh, but it's also for me the success is, is the key to getting over your own fears. Uh, so this idea of contribution, right? When you're contributing, when you when you're trying to maximize your contribution then you can get over the fears and doubts and anything going on internally because you're yeah. trying to you're on a mission right you're trying to make it you're trying to make an impact and i think you know you talked then about the customer obsession and i think again interestingly that comes back to this idea of well a contribution we just talked about you wanted to be obsessed about how do i contribute to the customers but also it speaks to that diversity issue of 
you were bringing a fresh perspective. You had an engineering mm. room, room of engineers, and you were bringing the customer perspective and not the engineering perspective. And I know yeah. when I, you know, when I was doing my roles uh, in tech, uh, I was often, yeah, bringing the the business or the financial perspective to again to a room of engineers mm. or um, whatever it is. But that value of translation is really important. I suppose coaching yes. an executive today and. Uh, you know, she, she incredibly gifted um, woman, but hadn't quite realized the value of that skill set of being able mm. to translate from one world to the other, because she felt it wasn't a kind of a hard skill in some level, you know, yeah. it, wasn't, it was kind of, yeah, it's not really knowledge, I'm just kind of doing basics, you know, no, you're not doing basic stuff, you're actually helping yeah. people understand each other. And it's incredibly valuable, because they you generate insights as you do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's, but I think, and I think also what you're saying now, I think that's, um, that's why also, and I think I learned along the way in the, in the beginning, I was mostly focused on diversity. And then I realized with diversity and that you showcase that you think it's important, it makes it easier to recruit, but to mm. keep people, you need to have that inclusive environment because then yes. when you show up with a skill set, which is actually what you just described which is extremely valuable from a impact and value mm. creation but that's not the norm for the for the skill set so yeah. you may even feel like you're not contributing and you may even hold back because you're talking about things that nobody else is talking about so it's probably not so relevant and you don't even understand what some of the people in the room are saying mm. so then i think you as a leader when you manage to create that inclusive culture and everybody feels like okay, this, I can contribute here. Mm. I, I have yeah. a different perspective or I have a, a skill set that nobody else has in this room. And if this doesn't get heard, we will actually perform at a lower level than we could. And, and I think that's, that's what you can do with an inclusive culture, which is why mm. that's so magical. Yeah. <laughs> but if you don't have it, you will have a number of those people with skill sets that they're not even sure if they should bring forward because it doesn't look like the norm. So maybe there is no value to this. So there's a, there's a right. huge responsibility on leadership here to actually create that platform. Then people can, can really, really, I think, blossom and, and really perform in those environments. So, so tell me more about how, you, how do you do this? How do you create these high-performing teams? Obviously, as a, you've been this manager in these, say, a whole um, increasing levels in a whole stack of blue chip tech companies so so well you you know you take you get a new team like what yeah. do you do right how do you actually like what are your mental models that you start to use to think okay how am I gonna how am I gonna get this team to play at its best yeah no and this is maybe the most important question of all I think for any company so I think it always starts with why uh, so you need to understand why are we why are we going to do what we're doing? Or why are we starting a new journey? Or why are we transforming? And I think it's it sounds obvious, but I think so many people skip that. Or mm. they talk about something which is not aspirational. We need to reduce costs. Mm. How many people wake up in the morning and feel excited about only reducing costs if there's not a bigger purpose? So I think it's it's I, I think the first thing to do is to align on what is that vision? Uh, what's the reason we're doing this? Why are we working so hard? What do we want to achieve? And, and, and currently, when we look at the impact we want to have in Microsoft Sweden, we have society, societal goals and we have commercial goals. So we want to contribute to mm. sustainability or, or this digital skilling of the country, et cetera, mm. right? So then you, you have a wide, there's a bigger purpose. And I think this is really, really important. It's interesting. Me, I though, would... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> 
So I just wanted to weigh in on that because I was working with working with the CEO about an hour ago on this question, and um, he was translating some of the corporate goals because I mean we realised that the corporate goals were very clear in a way, and they're actually quite there's quite inspirational stuff there, but they're actually phrased in terms of what the company wanted to achieve. Mm. And they didn't go that step further, which is to, and so what's the impact of that on anybody else? Yes. I mean, it was kind of implicit. Yeah. But we really, you know, he said to really realize the power of taking those, the kind of the corporate KPIs and turning them around to look at them from yes. the point of view of how a customer's impacted, how society yes. impacted, how, yes. how my employee is going to be impacted and talk about that impact rather than just the fact powerful. that you get to X billion and yes. you get a great place to work and all this kind of stuff. What, so yes. what, right? What's the impact? I think that's very powerful to do that. And I think it's, uh, you want to deliver on all those KPIs, but that makes a difference, what you just described. If you understand what that impact is, which is mm. bigger than just reaching your company KPIs from an internal perspective. So I, I tend to always start there. Hmm. And, and then I've, I've learned to connect that with, and now we come into the teams and the leadership, but I learned to connect that with your own personal why. So, so why are you here? So why are you, why am I, why did I take this job? Why did I want to be CEO of Microsoft Sweden? Or why did I want to join Telia? Or, because that creates a connection and also it, it connects, it creates reflection and connection to the company, mm. the company vision and journey and, and where you're on. And it also creates authenticity and your leadership when you can actually stand up and talk about that. And that's yeah, a really good It has good to come from you, right? It has yes. to come from you. It can't just be, I was given this by corporate headquarters. No, there is my is. corporate purpose. <laughs> now yeah. let's do our KPIs. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way, I think. Yeah, you and have to embody it. You've got to find that, that link for you to embody you it. You have to find that link. And I think that's a really good exercise to do, uh, to do with your team, especially when you're new. I would, mm. really, uh, uh, I would really encourage everybody to do that. And then I think we've had, in all my teams, we've spent ample of time then working as a team. I, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in teams and teams don't exist by themselves. They exist because you invest in them and you build them. Mm-hmm. And, and it, through all the phases, we spend time on, on you know, both getting to know each other, but talking about the values and talking about the culture we want to build and how, what does that look like and how does that show up? And by doing this, you, you really form a team that you you either on the same team or you probably feel, oh, maybe this is not for me, actually. Maybe I don't align with my own purpose. And that's much better to, to then realize that than, yeah. to, than to not realize it or three years later be frustrated because you didn't realize that somebody else was taking it in this direction. So, so invest in the team, spend that time together, talk about the things that really matter. It's not about, uh, it's not about doing, doing, uh, uh, scary stuff in the woods or on, on the mountains it's about talking about <laughs> yeah. to me it's about talking yeah. about things that really matter um and creating that openness that everybody feels this is okay we we are here to really be that open with each other and 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 we want to do that and by doing that we will we will have greater impact i think this is really important and sometimes we i think we become sloppy with this because mm-hmm. we feel oh everybody's a senior now so they figured this out but that's not what this is about it's about it's not about seniority it's about being part of that team and trusting that team and and yes. therefore having more impact Hello, it's Richard here with a quick interlude. These conversations are all about upgrading how you think about creating impact. 
So here's a resource to help you do just that whilst staying fast and focused. The CEO's Checklist for Challenging Times is a quick way to enhance your thinking and detect blind spots even when things are moving incredibly fast and you're not sure what's going to happen next. You can get this powerful checklist of 17 world-class strategies by heading to xquadrant.com forward slash go forward slash challenging times checklist with a hyphen between each of those three last words. Now, back to the conversation. Absolutely. In fact, um, the more senior you are, it's not always, you know, you often, senior people are often great at uh, managing their organizations. They're not always that great at being part of a team, right? No. I mean, a lot of what I do is no. I say I turn teams of high performers into high performing teams because, yeah. you know, um, being able to run an organization and drive results is quite different from yes. partnering with a team for cross-functional business yeah, goals. Yes, it is. I totally agree with you. So I, I guess my question. That, yes, sorry. go ahead. Go ahead. No, I guess my question for that was, is, is do you ever get pushback because, um, you know, talking about the why and connecting to our personal why, may I, I buy into it, right? But I can imagine that there might be more, uh, you know, action-focused, inverted commas, pragmatic individuals who are like, let's just get on. We know we've got to hit the budget. Let's get going. Yes, Why are we talking absolutely. about this? How do you yeah, for that? sure. Uh, and there, especially maybe especially in senior people, uh, you have some of that cynicism as well. We've done all of this before, etc. And and this is my point. I think you can have done some of these things in different teams, or and, and you still need to do this. You still need to invest. So I think, I think one is to. Um, uh, I've had sessions when I've had several people like that, and we've really taken the time to. To, and I've had help from outside uh, to do this in a good way, but really good fe- individual feedback, really break that, break that protection that is around certain leaders. And, and usually it's been absolutely amazing, to be honest, because once you, once you can, in a safe environment, actually break down that, because usually it's a wall that you built around yourself and, and you're like, okay, this is not my thing. And it's, it's just it's wasting time. And, and it's, it's really fascinating to see when you can actually break down wall down and also mm. see the difference in an impact from that person. There, I have examples of where people have felt, well, this is probably not for me. This is maybe not how I operate. I want to be in a pure numbers numbers environment. I don't need to have my team. I don't need, I don't need to be part of a team. I want to run with my KPIs. And then that's, that's to me also fine to discover that. So there've been, there've been a couple of those. And then, and then usually you decide that, you know, they're, they're, you know, it's better to part ways, which is also fine. That's part of life as well. Right. And I'm sure we have both in our, in our long careers also come across leaders where we feel like, Ah, oh, he's probably excellent, but I'm not sure. I'm gonna. I'm not sure we are the best match here. And I think we are way too too. Um, how should I say? I think we are. Uh, we we need courage to talk about those things because I think it's uh, and it's not about the. And again, just thinking about my diversity topic, it's not about being the same. It's not about I want to do exactly as him or not. It's. It's, it's, it's if you find that magic between, if you find that match in terms of how you get more things done, I think that's what you're looking for when you talk about leaders and, and team members. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think it's, it's something there about, you know, you want diversity, but not in some ways, not too much because you've, you, you can all, you're going onto any internet page, right? And where like people can't even listen to each other because they're so... 
yeah. proposed on some levels, right? And so, you know, you, it's this kind of um, tension, right? You don't want people who all think the same, yeah. but you've yeah. also got to have some common ground or some Absolutely. common values or something upon which you can build. And I think that's why you need to build a team. Uh, and when I look at some of my, my teams and, and now I have, I keep always keep building to become more diverse. So the fact that you have more diverse backgrounds, uh, of course, you, then maybe even more, you need to talk about these things. What do we mean with that culture? What does that, mean, yeah. what does that value mean to, uh, to be courageous? What's courageous in your culture? Uh, with mm-hmm. different backgrounds, it can be, be completely different things, right? So I think the more mm-hmm. diverse you are, the, the more important it is to actually do that, do that work with the team yeah. and to really foster those dialogues and openness. Uh, fascinating yeah I totally agree I mean this, this building the the building the um definitions of la- words right what does language mean yes. what, what do we actually mean when we say something I think that's uh, so important uh, I had a question you um we didn't quite do this so I often do this in these, these interviews but let me ask you now um so you know we, we talked you know we talked about some of your success formulae and, and then we got onto you know building these teams what's been a, a struggle for you you know or like a dark side of your gifts right for being passionate mm. customer obsessed <laughs> um being this first perspective um you know how you know has there been a sense in which any of that perhaps has made it harder for you or you've had to learn to build Mm. these teams you know has there been a kind of a a difficulty in management that you've had to work through Uh, yeah no I think the um I think I think I've I mean I I've chosen to to be in these fairly large companies and blue chip as you're saying and I've and it's really become to me it's been like a home and and a platform for making change. Now what also comes with them is usually uh, quite complex structures and matrix and, and mm. governance and and all of that. And I I I'm fine. I I, I work extremely well in the matrix because I have a very I think most people who are really, if you're truly impact driven and not just figuring out your own KPI, mm. I think matrix is fine because you're not so tied up to your own siloed KPI. Uh, and I think my, so, so my darker moments here, I think are where I struggle, uh, where I, I still, after all these years, find it uh, challenging. It is, it is that silo the silos that exist within the matrix and the governance that surround them Mm -hmm. and if you think about what I said in the beginning that really works against what I think is creating impact because to me that is about actually being focused on the bigger impact and it is about customer obsession it is about building those teams it's not about reviewing different KPIs and different silos that may not actually add to that impact, but it actually may be somebody feel good at the time. So, and, and this comes with all large companies and then the degree varies, of course, but this is, this is clearly, uh, and of course I've learned, I've learned because I've been in this, in mm. this world now for so long, but, but it clearly isn't, it's not where I prefer to spend my time. And quite honestly, I try to minimize my time on that and, and have yes. my time focused on, on that, what I think is impact creation. Well, it's interesting because that matrix you talked about, a bit like the matrix in the film, is it's like the environment <laughs> in which all these teams operate. Yes. And, you know, when I'm working with teams, I'm often really focused on getting them not to think so much about internally, although there's a role for that and we'll definitely do that, but also what they often don't think about, which is like, what's the system in which we operate? Mm. And actually, how is that shaping us 
people stopping yeah. us from doing something, but also how can we influence the system? Is it how, you know, how do we, perhaps we don't need to just change ourselves, perhaps we need to kind of work at changing some of our stakeholder engagement in certain yes. ways. I, I love to say, Absolutely. you know, if you've got a relationship issue in your team, perhaps you don't actually have a relationship issue. Perhaps you have a stakeholder management issue yeah. that's showing up in terms of stress and unrealistic expectations. Yes that is causing friction in the team not because people don't like each other or because they haven't done their Myers-Briggs types but because yeah. <laughs> but because there's all these pressures on them that they can't respond to for example so Absol- absolutely yeah yeah absolutely I think that's a very very important point and you cannot ignore it right because you cannot exist outside the system you need to you need to yeah. uh, you need to be really um, you need to be really mindful and understanding of that to have impact yeah, well, it's like, um, as the fish says, water, what water? Yeah, exactly, yeah. We don't know, we're in so, it. Oh, so sorry. I have, um, I developed along the way, given that this is my this is my, my dark spot, which is also not my passion. And I, I realized ending up in these large, really fascinating companies that there's so much interesting things going on internally that I could spend 100% of my time internally. Right. And, and also the more senior I became, actually, the more, the more you got drawn into all these things. So I developed my own formula to, uh, uh, that I call 50, 30, 20, which is 50% of my time should be spent externally. A maximum 20% of my time should be spent on governance. I mean, really pure governance and 30% should be spent with the teams developing Mm -hmm. the teams, coaching, developing business ideas, being part of solutions and, creation etc and I tell you I this is the third company I'm in since I developed that formula in my first company it was uh, that I came up with this my my first year since Sony Ericsson I had not figured this out but EMC was so customer obsessed that that was my easy easy task my my other two companies it's really been it's really been a challenge to keep to this Uh, governance will eat your time if you're not really cautious on uh, so I, I always work with my teams on this to figure out because 50, 30, 20 is mine mm. in the type of roles I have. It may be, it may be 30, 30, 60, yeah. 10. I don't know. It depends on your role, but, but really be mindful on because that's about impact, how you spend yeah. your time. That's your most important currency in how Absolutely. you create impact. Your investments has money. Has nothing, it's not even comparable to how you spend your time. So, And I learned this along the way. I had no idea when I started out, but, but really be mindful on how, how are you spending your time? Look back at the, the last week and say, sometimes it looks like a catastrophe and sometimes it looks really good. Look at your week coming up on a Sunday night to say, well, have I set this up so I can actually have impact? Yeah. Uh, this has been one of my maybe most important learnings, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm um, actually right now I'm running a, a I'm running a program called the um, Productivity Accelerator, which is taking a bunch yeah. of execs through this whole question about how do I free myself up for more strategic activity. Yeah. And one of the key parts is you've got to understand, identify what is your impact formula, right? And you've yeah. articulated yours in a really great way, which is yeah where am I when do I know I'm in my sweet spot and going to maximize my contribution to the business yeah. and where actually am I getting distracted by lower level stuff and yes. as you said governance could eat all your time as can email and all sorts of things yes you need to kind of force yourself out of that so that yeah. you can spend time with customers see new trends whatever it is that you need yeah. to do yeah so I love that absolutely so just to wrap up then Helen um no matter how much we've achieved, there's always a next level to get to. 
So uh, you know, where would you love to multiply your own impact in the coming months or quarters or years? You know, what's what next level? You know, like and, for you? yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. And I thought of it when I when I um, knew I was going to speak to you because you don't think about this every day. I, I um, as such, but I think the uh, and given what we just talked about, I, I think it's striving for and I outside of work I, I'm quite involved in you know I'm mentoring several several uh, women I'm mentoring um, startup founders etc I'm investing I'm you know I'm on board of some of the smaller ones etc so I think more of my I you know spend more time I get to get you talk about noise get get rid of even more of the noise and spend more time with uh, with people like that and and I and you feel you have the I mean some of the time I spend with uh, I talked I was at a tech meetup the other day young young tech stars and some of the time when you share things and when you you know you walk into uh, joint coaching etc you you like I didn't have any of those people in my life at that age and so I think spending more time on having impact on on society on helping we haven't talked much about um continuous learning and skilling but that's a real core topic for me um encouraging encouraging that to be part of the culture of of a country i think is really important to get people to acquire new tech skills because if you don't you'll be in a digital divide way outside of of the quality of life that you need to have so these are things i'm really really passionate about and try to get rid of even more of that noise and and spend even more time on those things I think I think that will increase my impact and and uh, just to push you on that what we have to do differently to do that like what's the personal challenge in that right I mean yeah, so and, say I need to make more time but how what's no I think the, 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 yeah no I think it's, it's true I think the personal challenge is to is to be even more more disciplined on on things that eat your time, such as email. We all have those times, right? So emails, for example. If you take that as an example, when I started out, I had this principle that I wanted to respond to everybody who contacted me, whether it was a phone or an SMS at the time or an email. And I could do that. Today, it's completely impossible, but but I'm probably still overdoing it. I still answer, oh, that's so nice. Thank you, et cetera. And, I, and maybe I don't need to do all of those. I need to, I need to, I need to cut that noise before because it's not... It's not, and it may be nice, but if it, it is probably nice most of the time. But if you look at versus, if I can cut even, you know, mm. maybe I can cut another couple of more hours per week by not doing that mm. and use that mm. for impact. And yeah. I think this is, and it's, this is a good conversation. You're reminding me about it because I think we constantly need to look for that. Those, yeah. uh, if we want to have real impact, I think we need to constantly need to look for those and they will creep back. They will come back and creep yeah. back and you need to get them. Yeah, and your true. habits are hard to change, right? So, so you need yeah. to um, you need to remind yourselves on on those habit changes, and that's this is yeah this is a good reminder for me. And it's an interesting one because there's these two things about focus and serendipity, and they're kind yes. of at odds. Yes. So it's this kind of like balance between being super laser focused on my goals, but also having these moments of randomness that can yes. come in. So if you never see any emails apart from those of your leadership team or whatever, yes. super focused. But you might not get, you know, you might not get that interesting 
customer email or no that. it's a super good it's email. a really good point i uh, i tell my team that they have to make space for the unexpected meetings so in their external time especially uh mm. create space for the unexpected meetings so it's not just the meeting that you are 100 sure is going to be uh almost a good meeting but you and i take i i, I spend time on taking unexpected meetings with entrepreneurs or potential partners or, mm. uh, you know, some very small customers who sometimes tell me, I can't believe you're meeting with me, but it's, it's also for a selfish reason. I, I feel like they, you know, they, they may be onto something. I need to learn something. And then we come back to that learning again, that you actually build that into your, your mindset. So, so that's serendipity um, and that you cannot, and you have to, we talked about this before about, uh, diversity you have to get a diverse input into your mind right otherwise it's it, it doesn't work so so it cannot be that you're saying i'm going to i'm going to only take emails from 15 people no you yeah. that's impossible right <laughs> yeah yeah exactly well hey um helen thanks so much for this it's been really fascinating to to think uh this through with you to learn you know to focus on those that desire for contribution for that passion the, the difference of perspectives uh to um, yeah, to kind of have to think through how do I operate in this matrix structure with these silos, and yet I want to cr- contribute to my maximum. And then some of the, that advice around teams, right, around actually connecting the corporate mission to your own personal uh, reason. Uh, and I, lo- I think we'd love to your comment around teams don't just exist by themselves, right, just because they're on an org chart. You know, they only exist if you actually invest in them and you build them. Yeah which I think is so important. And then I think I love your 50, 30, 20 formula, which is just a great way of bringing together your thinking about how do I create impact and you create a model around that, right? Create a way of operating. So thank you for sharing your wisdom and um, having such a fun conversation today. Thank you. I really enjoyed it, Richard. If anybody wants to get in touch with you, um, uh, what, what should they do? Uh, so I think uh, we are LinkedIn fanatics. So uh, LinkedIn is a really good way and Twitter and Instagram, etc. So and I think that's also a good way to see to different different sides of the company and, and also uh, my own leadership, actually. So please get in touch. Perfect. Well, thanks once again, Helen, and uh, speak to you soon. Thank you. Speak soon. Take, take care. Bye bye. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching, and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.